Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who has said, why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. You can call him Betty, but I call him my pal. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. You may recognize his voice from the collaboration he did with Robin Schultz a few years ago called Unforgettable, or from some Jeep commercials. Uh, his most recent record is called Seed of Joy. He just recently put out a deluxe edition of that album. So please welcome to the podcast, Mark Sibilia. Good to see you guys. How are we doing? We're great. Yeah, you know, like uh, I was mentioning, I got two kids now, and uh, around eight o'clock, I uh, I don't know what what amount of CPU I got, but uh, it's enough to uh, hang out with two two cool dudes and talk about an album I love. Perfect. All right. Well, premise of our podcast fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all important question. I'm going to start with you, Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? I don't know how it happened, but somehow I got on the mailing list of the David Bowie store, which somehow is somehow. uh, Yeah. So I get emails and sometimes stuff is just too good to pass up. And this was the uh, live at the Kit Kat Club. So I how many Bowie shirts uh, is that for you now? Oh, six or seven. Yeah. All right. Sometimes I buy another one for somebody else just to make me feel better about myself. Okay, well, I, I'm I only have two, so you can you can definitely. My birthday's coming I'll, up. I'll keep that in mind. Just just saying, my birthday's coming up. How about you, Mark? What T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing my uh, I'm wearing my great uh, oversized uh, sriracha uh, brand hot sauce T-shirt um, that right. uh, I, I only own one of, so I only get to wear it once every month or so. Or you only do laundry once a month. Is this yeah. going back to the? You have two kids. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I'm kind of obsessed with um, Hanes t-shirts. So I just buy okay. tons of and tons of Hanes t-shirts. Kind of all I wear. I used to buy nice t-shirts, and then I got so many compliments on the Hanes ones. I thought these are like three dollars. So <laughs> it, it's great because you don't have to do much laundry. This sounds like um, a Steve Jobs thing. It's awesome. I would totally okay. recommend it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, I'm wearing one of my Foo Fighters t-shirts. So uh, the t-shirt from the the uh, last love ride that they did in California, what, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago. So one of my three Foo Fighters shirts. That's awesome. Um, all right. So, Mark, um, I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for some time. Did your publicist tell you my story as to why I wanted you on the podcast? No, they didn't tell me that. Okay, so here here we go. So one of our one of our former guests, striking matches. Oh yeah, was p- playing at the Saint Petersburg Songwriters Festival. So I drove over to see them. They opened up for Modest Yahoo, who was the headliner that Saturday night. Yeah. But I walked around uh, Saturday and I saw like I saw Lydia Loose who was amazing. Hmm. Uh, the format of the festival, if you remember, was unique because they paired each artist with another artist. And so you ended up being paired up that Saturday night with the guys from Collective Soul. Yeah, I was trying to remember who, who I was with that night. Yeah. So you guys took turns singing songs. Um, do you know where this is going? 
Yes. Yeah, I do. Okay. I, that the the night is coming back to me. That was a really fun night, actually. So you so you sing a song that blew everyone away in the crowd, and mm-hmm. I think it I think it was Better Man. Was it yeah. Better Man? I, th- I think and maybe. Yeah. So so you guys were taking turns. Collective Soul would sing a song, then you would sing a song, and then after you performed that, Collective Soul, the Collective Soul guys were just like, um. Who, who else wants to hear more songs from Mark? You guys don't want to hear from us, right? And so the crowd all agreed, and it was one of those magical music moments, um, and I've been a fan of your your of your music ever since. So Man, thank you. That very was Very cool night. That was a fun, that really was a fun night, honestly. I, I actually, yeah, I forgot about that. That was really, that was pretty wild. He kind of, uh, yeah, he was like, he was very gracious. He kind of gave awesome. me, kind of gave me the floor, and I didn't really know what to do with it, honestly, because I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't intending on uh, having that type of attention that night. Have you had any other kind of moments like that where, you, where maybe the crowd doesn't completely know you, and then after you're done with your set, like you knew that you just nailed it? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple moments like that. Um, one that comes to mind, just because he's become a really good friend since then, is when I. Actually, a very similar thing happened probably in 2015. I was in Denver, and um, and I was I was asked to play with uh, Rob Thomas and Michael Franti. I don't think there was anyone else. I think it was just those two guys. But it was a pretty similar type of thing where, you know, they were just super gracious and cool, and it, I was pretty nervous because obviously, the, you know, people come to hear the, their hits. You know, those guys have a lot of, like, big songs. Yeah. And um, and then somehow, like in the in the middle of it, it, become, it kind of becomes about this young guy that's up and coming that no one's ever heard his music before, and um, and that's pretty cool. I think uh, honestly, it makes it fun for everyone, and I'm glad to have been the beneficiary of it. But I think it actually is like just even overall for the night. I think it's strangely kind of more exciting for people when something unexpected like that happens, even if it wasn't happening to me. So I've been really thankful that that's you know it's it's yeah it's been it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was really, really. I noticed that guys that are the guys that have been around for a long time and have been doing this successfully, they kind of, um, I don't know, they 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 have a they have a good sense of, um, yeah, how to make the night about something bigger than themselves. And I've been the beneficiary of that a few times. That's very cool. Um, need to congratulate you. So I do follow you on Instagram. So you just recently had second baby. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. We were we Thank were talking we were talking about kid stuff before we hit the record button. So yes, life is probably a little crazy at the Sibilia house right now. It's pretty nuts, yeah. But we're 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 good. He's a really cool. He's a really cool little guy. He's definitely the most Italian looking person that lives on our street. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, he's really great. Awesome. Your little girl's so stinking cute. She is so cute. Yeah, I oh. think he's gonna be pretty. I think he's gonna be a good counterpart though. He seems very. He seems very chill. Um, okay. He's starting to really chill out, so I'm hoping that I'm hoping it stays that way. Yeah, you posted a video a while ago of her rocking out to Intergalactic from the Beast. Oh, Boys. she loves that song. Oh my gosh, that was the the cutest thing. Um, though I have been noticing most of your videos lately are are about food. What is, oh, yeah. what's what's the name of your barbecue, your grill, or whatever that, it's that called, thing is it's, called? It's called the Beefer. Yeah, the Beefer. It's called it's called the Beefer. Yeah, it's like a German-made um, cera- uh, is it ceramic or infrared? I can't remember, but it's a grill, and 
it cooks at like 1500 degrees um and it's like it's amazing like you sear these steaks on it in like one minute you have just like the most char like it's awesome so i i do a lot of um a lot of kind of my text chains with my friends people that i'm introducing to each other or you know friends of common interest like a lot of the a lot of uh it's a, a lot of conversations end with uh you know trying to meet up for some type of cookout at the house so yeah I've been who doing wants that a lot, invite i think that's what the, yeah who, who the wants the line. invite that's right yeah yeah i'm gonna I'm probably start inviting people that just like my music at some point but uh <laughs> i uh i uh i really love doing it it's a lot of fun all right well next time i'm in nashville i'm bringing the meat you got the invite okay. you got the invite fantastic i got the invite wayne all right. Sounds Wayne, like you have we the need invite to. Too. All right. We need we need to we need to take a road trip to Nashville. Wait. Yeah. Come on. All right. Um let's talk about your your music. Let's talk about um latest album. So Brian Fallon, who is um yeah. Wayne Wayne's a huge huge fan of Brian Fallon. He plays on your last That's album. Awesome. What what yeah. song? What is he um, on more than one song? He's on um I'm trying to think if he did anything that he wasn't like credited for credited, the feature, yeah. but i think it i think it was just on seat of joy he played right. on but yeah brian's amazing i mean brian brian and i were set up by our publishers which generally those kinds of like things don't necessarily go great but we kind of became fast friends we worked for like two days um in new jersey i flew up there and we worked in this really cool studio i can't remember the name but they had this old amazing new console and it was really fun hanging out with them and i didn't really know him you know i think you know, I knew his music and I knew, I knew a little yeah. bit about him, but I had never met him before. And so I was a little bit probably intimidated. I mean, Brian's like, you know, he's just got these cool tattoos and he's this amazing <laughs> voice. And anyways, I was a fan. And so, yeah, we worked together and it went really well. And, uh, you know, actually, I don't think, I don't think he's ever released the thing we, that we did. I don't think it's been released on any level, but it's really cool. And, uh, but we just kept in touch. We have a lot of mutual interests and, um, yeah, we're just we're just honestly really good friends. Um, I think about him a lot actually, and so I'm I'm kind of always we're kind of always checking in on each other. And yeah. when I was making this album, I felt like it could really use like a really cool guitar solo, um, you know, something kind of Grateful Dead-ish, and uh, and actually, yeah. It, so that was his approach, and he kind of read my mind. And so yeah, he, but he's just so good. I think he played that guitar solo on a guitar amp that he built. If I'm not mistaken so he's like a oh, technical yeah, yeah. guy too smart guy i don't know why he called me for advice about microphones the other day i don't he's very technical <laughs> himself i don't i actually don't know why people call me for advice at all about anything 
Well, because you have your own studio in the backyard, right? And that, yeah, and yeah. That why? That's, that's, I don't know. So the perception could, is that you know what you're doing. That is that is a great perception to have. I have cultivated the perception <laughs> for years. Cultivating perception is sometimes more important than cultivating knowledge. Kids. There you go. <laughs> for all yeah, the kids yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. So anyways. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. No, I did. I, did. Well, I, I do love this stuff. I, I'm actually, I, I love like, I love recording. I love, I love, um, my, I love like learning about microphones and all that stuff. I've always been into it. And I was thinking about it today because maybe it's not something like I'm an artist, you know, so that doesn't really have to be something that I'm interested in. I, mean, I could let someone else figure it out. But I think where I grew up, um, I always heard so many recordings that people made and I always thought they sounded so bad. I didn't know why they sounded bad. You know, I couldn't figure it out when I was like, you know, if you're like 13 years old and you're like, why is this, why does this dude's band sound so bad? And I think that, that pursuit, you know, has really, um, I'm not saying everyone sounded bad where I grew up. I'm just saying like when you don't live in a music town, there's like a lot of things that are made that for whatever reason or another, when you're a kid, you're like, I wouldn't listen to this. This doesn't sound like something that would be on the radio. And so I think that kind of began a lifelong pursuit of how do you make a record sound good? So you grew up in Buffalo, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So not, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing not much of a scene then. No, there actually is. Yeah, there really is. And I don't know why I heard so many bad recordings growing up, but I, I just think like, you know, it was kind of the ad, I, it was kind of the advent of like digital and I think they were yeah. figuring out a lot of a lot of technical things. Um and then I think just yeah, I mean, if you're not in like some of the music meccas, I mean, certainly, I mean, amazing things have come out of Buffalo for sure. Ani DeFranco's one and Goo Goo Dolls. I mean, these are all like amazing things, but you know, yeah. Ultimately, these things end up a lot of times end up migrating to bigger cities and places where you know. I mean, you just you want to be you want to be a small fish in a big pond. And so, anyways, that that was really kind of a that was kind of what led me, I think, to learn how to record because I just felt like I got to figure this out. Like, why can you? How do you make a recording that sounds like it's on the radio? I don't know if I figured it out, but it certainly has kept what? me busy for like eighteen years. I think you. I think you've started to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I get fixated on songs where I have to replay them over and over again. Um, what was the last song that made you repeat it after you listened to it? Do you have one? There's an al- there's an album by a girl named uh, Noga Eris, I believe it is her name. I don't really know how to spell N O G A E R E Z. I can't remember, okay. but um, I think that's right. She's from uh, she's from Israel and. Uh, my friend sent me the album and it's so honestly the whole album's amazing but uh i'm trying to think of the she has a song called fire kites i mean the whole production's amazing okay it's so good that every time i listen to it i feel like it's i'm actually listening to a new song which just kind of blows your mind that's fair that also could be the children though to be honest with you (laughs) wayne how about you what's the last song that made you repeat it after you listened to it um I'm going to actually go to my, there was one just recently. Oh, you know what? It was Orville Peck. I think the, I heard, uh, or am I blanking on the name? It was Dead of Night. Okay. And I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd heard in so mm. long. It sounded like it could be an old country western song. It could be, it, it was dark and yeah. All right. I love that guy. So, so mine is the acoustic version of this dream. Oh, cool. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't say this because the the artist is is here on the call right now, Wayne. But um, 
I did listen to it three times in a row at one point. Last That's week. awesome. So I was I, just, I struggled to make those recordings. I I was we actually sat right here in the corner of the room and I had to like kind of vamp. I had to like change it a few times before I felt like I was in the. I worked with an engineer that I haven't worked with in a long time. We made a lot of music together. And uh, so I let him kind of boss me around and I kind of had an approach and it wasn't very good. And then he, he was like, nah, dude, you got to go somewhere else. And so we figured it out. I'm so glad you like it. Thank you. Love it. I'm paying you all my attention. And I'm saying what I should have said when, when you and me were more than a dream and I wasn't talking to you in my sleep. Now the morning is breaking the tension Yeah, 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 yeah I wish that I could stay Yeah, yeah, yeah I have this dream That everything's the way it was To the moment I wake up Then it hits me Like a bullet in the dark And I wonder where you are I have this dream Keeping me up at night Keeping me up Keeping me up at night Keeping me up Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish that I what's, uh, what, what's the What's the motivation behind that song? What, uh, what brought that up? Well, you have a, you know, because you have a lot of you have a lot of songs about family, and I'm assuming that this is also about family. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess it probably is. Um, you know, I mean, I I kind of just like songs for me. They're kind of like you get a little clue as to what they're about, and then they make all sorts of turns. So they're they're kind of more inspired by, and then but this song, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wrote it when my dad when my dad got really sick, and uh, I was in I was in the basement of his house. Um, and we were, he had a brain tumor and he was also on steroids uh, to reduce the swelling. And so the combination of the two things kind of made him crazy. And so I was back home visiting him uh, and helping him clean his basement because he, you know, he knew he didn't, didn't have a ton of time left you know, here on earth. And, uh, and so I, um, I was in his basement and he was kind of going crazy. He was like making me move boxes from one side of the room to the other and then back over to the other side of the room. And he was yelling at me and, and that really wasn't what he was like. Um, and, uh, and I remember just thinking I really wanted to leave. I was like, I, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go back. I got a new daughter. I just want to go back and be with my family. And then I realized like, it's like when you have a dream, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to tell the story correctly, but, uh, or if this will make any sense, but like when you have a dream and someone's gone, like for whatever reason, they're gone out of your life in real life and you have a dream and then they're in that dream and you wake up and you just want to get back to the dream. Yeah. You know, and I realized in that moment that as crazy as it was, I was like, this is the dream right now. So, um, yeah, that's, I kind of like was imagining what it was going to be like when he wasn't, you know, here anymore. And so I, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful song. Uh, beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, all right. Another song off of your record. You have a song called 90s. Oh, yeah. I love the fact that you didn't go overtly nostalgic about the '90s and drop all sorts of like references to the '90s, because I I was expecting that. I was expecting, yeah. you know, I'm guessing there are some hidden references in the lyrics, though. 
Is it is there a yeah. nugget or two that maybe I've missed from the from the lyrics? Um, you know, I mean, there's some like you know things about you know the Buffalo Bills losing three or four Super Bowls, um, however many they lost in the '90s. Uh, four. When I yeah, talk about the wide four. right kick, um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, no, it's definitely much more my personal experience. It's like you know I'm kind of like referencing like Sun in the uh, hair bleaching kit that you know pretty much me and all my friends got access to and tried um to varying degrees of failure uh so that would i was already i was already losing my hair in the 90s so that that was not something that i did so yeah it's all good shaved my head for the first time in the 90s so nice yeah so it's much more personal experience that's how long that's how long it's been hey (laughs) low, low maintenance i guess right mine's so long now it's it's insane you can't really tell with these headphones on have you have you been to a barber at all since pandemic i have not no it's been awesome okay i got it cut like maybe i got it one time i don't think i did honestly i think it's been like no one time i got it cut but i haven't gotten cut in like six months and i think i'm just going to keep growing it okay or when when you finally get back out there on the road, are people going to go? Who is this? Who's this hippie dude? It's possible. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I'm on the right track when my mom starts calling me and telling me I need a haircut. Then I know. <laughs> and she's been calling. Then I it know. It just never. Yeah, it never ends. Like yeah. my mom. My mom will. My mom will say your 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 goatee's getting too long. Exactly. Like, <laughs> really? Like <laughs> just because I don't have hair that. Uh, it's whatever it's amazing gotta love moms gotta love moms I'm a child of the 90s that room at the top of the stairs that's where you can find me bleaching my hair still scared that my parents will ground me if they found me I'm a child of a baby boomer Never got over the days of John F. Kennedy Jr. Jesus saves an American maid was the way of the future. Hallelujah. Hey, it doesn't work out like they say. You lose more than you find your way. And I know that the best ain't behind me, but it might be. I'm a child of the night. All right. Anything else on uh, Seed of Joy that we should be we should be talking about? I don't know. I think that's those are those are two of my favorite songs. Of, make, making songs off that album. Yeah. All right. Wayne, did you get a chance to uh, listen to uh, to the album? I started from the bottom, so I listened to the EP. Uh, okay. Was it the shape I'm in? Yeah. And then the second, the full length. Uh, which I loved, Wide Open. Was it Wide Open? Yeah, yeah. That was probably my favorite off of that one. Oh, cool. That's awesome. You can tell we're sentimental old dudes at this point. (laughs) Hey, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you just talk about, you know, know, hugging your kids and we're we're all in. Is that where this is going for me, being more sentimental? Um, maybe. I could see it. I I could see it happening already. I don't know. Wayne, Wayne surprises me. We before you came on, Wayne was telling me about how. Um, well, I don't. I don't know if I do. We want to have it on tape. I'm a grown man. What are they going to do? 
so he's he's been living the the uh the 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 all by himself in a house without a dog and without any kids and you know without a significant other and that's that's changing soon yeah so significant other is moving in when next week the process has already begun who knows when it'll be finalized but it is okay nice it's happening wow that's great he's he he's not so sentimental that you know uh that that i still am because i still have kids at home and yeah 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 grandkids those are that's the best there that's where the money's at right there because like I told my son, I'm going to spoil them so bad that when you tell them stories about how horrible I was, they're not even going to believe you. They're not, they're, they're going to think uh, you're lying. That's a great strategy. That's a great yeah. strategy. Love it. All right. Uh, so Mark, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose uh, Paul Simon's Graceland. All right. So your, um, your, your publicist gave us two choices, Graceland and then also the miseducation of Lauren Hill was the other one that you yeah. chose. And we just, we just recorded an episode for that. Yeah. hasn't, uh, we haven't released it yet. That's next week, next week. Nice. Um, so what, what would have been top song for miseducation for you? Um, you know what? I probably, probably one of the hits, probably everything is everything. I would yeah. say, I don't know. Just hearing those songs for the first time was so crazy. You know, that was like a good record, you know, like when I was a kid, I was like, wow, how could you make something like that? I'm trying to remember what was that our top song? I think everything uh, is everything. It was, was our top yeah, song. it was definitely in the top five. It was yeah, high up right there. Now. The hits, the hits scored well. Doo-wop. Yeah. That thing was second. Forgive them. Father was third. Yep. Uh, every ghetto, every city was fourth. That was my favorite. Superstar. Fantastic record. I um, I took I took back a lot of what I s- said when the Rolling Stone top, uh, what was it? Greatest greatest five hundred albums of all time came out, and Lauren Hill snuck into the top ten. Was it top ten? Recent list. It's top ten now. It's wow. number ten. A uh, huge leap into the top ten, and I'm like, ah, that's that's no. It's that's not better than London Calling. Crazy. I still, I still, I still believe that it's not better than London Calling, but it's a great album. Wow, wow. So, how did you get introduced to Graceland? Because you're, you're much younger than us. So, yeah, how, it was actually how, made. How did you it, find it, was, it? What's crazy is it was. I never realized this, but it was made the year I was born, 1986, okay. and uh, that's pretty cool. Um, my friend made me a mix CD. With um, it had "Boy in the Bubble" on it, and honestly, it was always a track I skipped past because I don't know. Like growing up in the suburbs uh, where I grew up, outside of Buffalo, like you know, it's pretty vanilla um, in many ways, and not actually my own personal upbringing. My dad like introduced a lot of different kinds of music. My dad and mom like we'd go to crazy stuff, and um, it was cool. But like for some reason, like here, like I didn't totally gravitate to that it was actually my science teacher my chemistry teacher in 11th grade who made me the cd and he would always make me like he made me a steely dan you know mix cd and and then he because he knew i love music and then um he made me this uh cd and it had boy in the bubble on it just like as a mix and i didn't like i always thought it was so bizarre like i didn't i i would just kind of 
go past it or whatever. And then probably my next introduction to Graceland was my next door neighbor and my best friend um, at the time, my buddy Alex. He made me a, or he played me, You Can Call Me Al. And I also thought that was really bizarre. So the first few times I heard things from Graceland, I, I honestly didn't really understand them. I, To me, I didn't really understand how that could be like popular music, you know, or how it was in, you know, in the 80s or whatever. So you know and it just didn't totally make sense to me but i'm trying to remember when i actually got into it um i felt like i was just slowly but surely kind of reintroduced to it i think i was actually making a trip it was like i was early 20s and i was making a trip to austin texas i was probably 22 for south by southwest and um we my buddy put it on and I believe that was probably one of the first times I was actually driving through Memphis and he put it on and I was like, this is crazy. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, because I mean, that album really is like, it's, it's such a, um, you know, it, it, it somehow is like an amazing mixture of pop music and things that have very little to do with American pop music. Absolutely. And so I think right. that's, I think when I first heard it, what I heard that were the things that, wouldn't totally appeal you know i mean obviously it was like a lot it was recorded some of it was recorded in south africa with south african musicians so they're bringing all their sensibilities and i think when i first heard it i was hearing all of that so pronounced but i think as i got a little bit older i was able to understand and just appreciate how it was uh yeah how those two worlds coming together was so profound and it wasn't really in it wasn't intellectually it was just totally feeling i mean gosh and then you start watching some i started watching some of the documentaries about it and then even um, seeing some of the live shows, I mean, those musicians were so amazing and how they, especially, like, you can hear Paul Simon talk about how, you know, some of those South African musicians, like Ray Pieri or whatever, I can't, I can't remember how you say his last name, but he was trying to play, like, country music. It was like a South African musician trying to play country music, so it was, like, his own version, which is like, created this whole new thing, and so... Yeah, I think as I got older, I was like, man, this is really crazy. And what the other thing that really struck me is I've then, you know, learned, I've spent a lot of time in the studio now is when I first heard those songs, particularly like You Can Call Me Out, they sounded so polished to me. You know, they sounded like these strange asteroids come from outer space, uh, you know, you know, from from the 80s. And like they, they felt so polished and so slick to me. But now I'm like, wow, these, this music has so so much rough edge to it um in its own way but somehow it like comes together and it just it's emotional and it's uh yeah it's really beautiful i have a i have a giant confession to make the first time that i ever listened to this album in its entirety was in february hey it's all good this is a good year for you now 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 granted I heard a lot of different songs off of this record you know totally. the, between the Saturday night live appearance and uh, the Grammys and um, just listening to radio stations that liked world like you know world music but um, yeah first time February how about you Wayne what was the first time you listened to Oh this it was several years ago I found it uh, I borrowed it from a friend and then uh, I listened to it. And I once again, I haven't been back to it really since then, other, except for the hits. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Paul Simon is such... And really, 
it's funny as all those big hits that I love, Kodachrome and, and 50 Ways and all that stuff. Then you and his lyrics are he's just he's a phenomenal songwriter. I don't even as good as as much credit as he gets. I'm not sure that he actually gets enough. I mean, some of the the words like say his word choices and the way he the way he just can really quickly in three or four lines tell you know almost a whole story like capture this whole thing really really quickly yeah. and really yeah, and that's not necessarily poetic but it's but it's really beautiful in a lot of ways he's he's yeah. tremendous so um bio info on this so seventh solo album from paul was released in august of 1986 uh engineered by his longtime engineer roy is it haley Halley? yeah i think it's, yeah i think it? Halley, but i'm not sure this was this ended up being a commercial success but it took some time for it to become commercially successful uh according to wiki i saw that it sold 16 million copies worldwide mm, yeah it's not too not too shabby but originally um didn't didn't really do much and had a little bit of a slow percolation and uh you know winning awards at the grammys i'm sure did didn't hurt um back then grammys actually sold records for you yeah i don't know if they do now um this was coming off of his previous record hearts and bones that that was not a success and um this kind of happened by happen chance right yeah that wayne i i think you you we we were talking offline about how he like got a mixtape or a demo tape or how, how yeah that... he was gonna i want to say her name was heidi berg he was gonna produce uh an artist she played in you know the saturday night live band and she gave him a tape of and i can't remember what the name i couldn't pronounce it i can actually see all the letters right now and there's no way i could have pronounced it even if i could remember it um but it was a, a south Janga. african style of music and yeah, and she wanted her record to kind of ha- kind of have this sound, and so she gave him this tape, and he took it and listened to it, and then and one of the songs on there, which I believe is on this record, as far as the instrumental part of it, he loved so much it inspired him to do the whole project. Which I I believe the comment in Wikipedia was their working relationship deteriorated after she told him after he told her that. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Um. It was, this is his most successful studio album if you're looking at um, sales and also by the accolades. Uh, won the album of the year uh, in 1987. Um, here are the other choices. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and Wayne, I think we've probably listened to each of these records. So, so tell me if um, Graceland deserved it. All right. Uh, Control by Janet Jackson. Wow. The Broadway album by Barbara Streisand. Back in the High Life from Steve Winwood. Wow. And then So from Peter Gabriel. That's nuts. I didn't realize those were all up the same year. Yeah. I I still would go with So, but that's yeah, I, it. I, yeah. I, would, I would pick it over all those choices. I yeah. love So. I don't know. I, I think I still think I would go with it over those choices, but it was funny as I looked at something, I was trying to look at some kind of get a point of reference for 86 and I ran across a magazine that had 
So uh, almost so all of those ones you mentioned, except for the Barbara Streisand one, were on the list. Hmm. Uh, the Queen is Dead came out in '86, uh, which is one of my top five favorite albums of all time. Licensed Ill came out in 1986. Raising Hell by Run DMC came out in 1986. Uh, so I would have taken any of those three over that. But. Yeah. Um, the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums that I talked about, um, where Lauren is in the top 10. So Graceland is number 46 on that list. Paul does have one other record on that list. Um, his um, self-titled. It's now number 425. In the 2012 list, uh-huh. it was number 268, but it's, um, as Casey Kasem would say, it's fallen down the charts. So, <laughs> and that's the one that has um, Mother and Child Reunion and Me and Julio. Yep. Wow. It's a, that's a great album. All right. Any other bio info that we want to talk about, or should we, should we get to it? You guys ready to dive into this? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 11. Which means our top song is going to get 11 points. Next favorite, 10 points on down to the lowest score of one. So let's start with the song that Mark used to skip on his mix CD, uh, The Boy in the Bubble. It was a slow day. And the sun was beating on the soldiers by the side of the road There was a bright light, a shattering of shop windows The bomb in the baby carriage was wired to the radio These are the days of miracle and wonder This is the long distance call The way the camera follows us in slow-mo The way we look to us all the way we look to a distant constellation that's dying in a corner of the sky. No, I was just saying. I, I was just saying that that's what you skipped on your. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I gave that one a five. Yeah. All right. So this is not to be confused with Bubble Boy from the Seinfeld episode. No. You guys, you guys know. We're the boy one in the plastic about? bubble starring John Travolta. Oh, that one too. Yeah. Trivial Pursuit and the Moops. You guys know what I'm talking about. All right, um, this was the third single. Supposedly, it was an album rocks track, chart success. It peaked at number 15, but I listened to album-oriented stations in 1987. I mean, Mark Mark didn't because he was like one. <laughs> but um, Wayne, <laughs> do, do, you, do you remember hearing it on, on the radio? No, first time I remember hearing this is when I listened to the entire album. Yeah. So... Um, what do you guys think about this as a as an opening track for this record? I I, I like it um, because first of all, this is uh, I'll just this is my favorite song on the record, and it, that happened over time, like over these last few weeks, listening to it because I love social commentary, and there's there's lots of social commentary on here, but I think yeah. this is I think this is some of the cleverest and some of the the sharpest without you know beating anybody over the head or anything. And uh, and also it's that it's that accordion, which I don't know that I've ever heard an accordion sound like that. They're usually I associate it with polka. It's very exciting and happy. And it's it's almost impossible not to be happy when you hear an accordion. And this he he gets it gloomy, almost yeah. like 
almost like a bagpipes playing the bagpipes playing Amazing Grace. Like he he gives a whole level of tension and gloom under the top of because Paul Simon has a pretty you know kind of a bright hap, happyish kind of voice. It doesn't it doesn't really sound sad, and so he's kind of bringing it down with that. Like the, the accordion, I thought was amazing, and I would try to say his name, but there is no way that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, let me let me attempt it. It's for Forer Maflo Hiloa. I don't think good. that's it, but but <laughs> you're a braver man than me. I'll We're gonna go that. with that. I slaughter names all the time, so you you know, I'll just I'll just go with that. Yeah, I I I'm with you. I I thought that it was a happy song until I started reading the lyrics and then I watched the video as well. And there's definitely some commentary, especially the fact that in the first verse we're talking about, there's a bomb in the baby carriage that's wired to the radio. And then yeah, that's a great move though, because the, obviously in 1986, you couldn't wire it to the radio. That's that to me was tying in the media and how bad news is broadcast. Yeah. Um, throughout but because, it, um, but it I ties it, it into the refrain of don't cry, baby, don't cry. Oh yeah, well that, that's through brilliant. it all. Like the, he, I remember he said something about uh, the you know life is ha- is hope and dread and just hope just wins out barely in the end or whatever. And I'm not so sure that that's always true. But uh, he's these two the two, the first two verses are these, I mean terrorism and and starvation yeah. and real world problems that are going on outside and that are you see them on the news and that's really the majority of how you see them. Yeah. And then tying in the, you know, that, that line about uh, the constellations in a 1986, we were spending billions of dollars to send people to space and an entire country in Africa is, is engulfed in famine to a, to a horrifying degree. And like I say, you can, in 1986, the terrorist hotspots were, which you can eliminate Northern Ireland when he says the sun beating down. But I mean, the Gaza Strip and the <laughs> West Bank. And like I say, I think um, South Africa probably too, but that was largely uh, not allowed, you know, that was largely stifled. Like that information wasn't like, apartheid was still, it felt like I'd never even heard of it until uh, the uh, Artists Against Apartheid, and was that 83, 85? Wow. Was like the first time it ever like it came it would have been going on for hundreds of years and that's all of a sudden that's the first time America hears about it so it's still a relatively new topic at, in 1986 wow. that's yeah. insane mark did you catch any of the political overtones on this considering you're yeah no i did a few years younger than us yeah i mean i, I yeah i did and i i i uh, I've, I've watched a bunch of documentaries on it but yeah i'm i'm with you i think uh it didn't strike me so much when I was, like I said, when I was when I was younger. But now, I mean, I, I, honestly, it's somewhat arbitrary to put it halfway through. I mean, I do love this song. I mean, it's amazing. It sounds like a thunderstorm. You know, it's like so good. It's just scary. It's frightening. I think, honestly, probably, you know, it might be one of the only ones just looking here. It's like what I love about this album is how it's such a mix of like sad lyrics, happy music, happy music, sad lyrics. You know, this might be one of the only ones that's like kind of all one feeling in yeah. some ways. I totally get that. All right, let's get scores. Wayne, you already mentioned this is this is top dog. What's your score? Yeah, 
this is my 11. Like I say, I like how that third verse when he throws it's every generation throws a hero up the pop oh, charts. Yeah. When you think about when you think about the late the mid 60s through this through the end of the 70s, Paul Simon was absolutely one of those guys. I mean, he's to me he's he's taking some responsibility in that in that line right there. Yeah. This is my 10. Mark, what was your score again? I gave it a 5. That's okay. probably not probably not right, but it's your opinion. It can't be wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm rethinking it. <laughs> you usually our guests take you know three or four songs before they start rethinking their their score. So it's all, no, it's all good. I, this it's is all, all, yeah. All right, next song is Graceland. I am following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War. And this lost the Song of the Year prize in 1986. You guys tell me who you think won from these nominees. So Song of the Year. So it was Graceland. Higher Love from Steve, Steve Winwood. Addicted to Love from Robert Palmer. That's what friends are for, which was Dionne Warwick, Elton John, Gladys Knight, Stevie Wonder, written by Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager, yep. and then Sledgehammer, Peter Gabriel. What do you I think, Wayne? Dion. There's no way it wasn't. That's yeah. what friends are for. Yeah, it was Dion. Oh dang! Yeah, I, that's, I was thinking that, but that I, I was I was thinking it probably was, but I was I was thinking maybe it was Steve Winwood. Okay, so here's what I don't get. The following year, this was nominated for Record of the Year. Not Song of the Year, Record of the Year. And I don't even know how that happens. How does that happen? The following year? Yeah, so Record of the Year won the following year, beat out La Bamba. I still haven't found one. It might have just become so popular that it had to kind of be resubmitted. Maybe. Um... Luca from Suzanne Vega, and back in the high life again. Wow. Also Steve Winman. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, um, guys, know who provides some additional vocals on this on this song? On which song? The Everly Brothers. Oh, Graceland. On on Graceland. Yeah. Yeah, the Everly Brothers. It's pretty cool. Mark, you ever been to Graceland? I've driven through it. I've not been there. Wayne, Graceland. No, I have not. Okay. All right. So I'm the only one who's been to Graceland? It seems to be. I, that cur- currently among the three of us, yes. And 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 I'm and I'm not even that huge of a of of an Elvis fan, but you know, I had some I had a couple hours to kill in, in Memphis, so I'm like I'm That's gonna go to Graceland. And then I went to Sun Studios afterwards. That's sick. So that was that was a good day. That was a good day. All right. Um you 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 mentioned you've watched some documentaries. So, Mark, did you watch the classic albums that the uh, documentary that they did yeah, on this? Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I love the fact that Paul says that this is the this is the best song he's ever written. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's, wow. That that's what he said. Um, so. Um, I also spent some time looking at the lyrics and he even broke it down on that classic albums where 
originally he's he's singing about Graceland, the place, you know, where Elvis mm-hmm. stayed. And then as you go further into the song, Graceland, something different. Yep. I, I, and that's just genius when you can do that with your with your lyrics. Um, this tracked really high for all of us. Mark, what 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 is about this song that uh, that that you dig? I think uh, I don't know. The lyrics are so visual and so strange, you know. Um, that you know he's got like this kid with him. Whoever this person is, he's got this kid. What is he like? The child of his first marriage. Yeah, just, I don't know. Just it's just it's all these descriptions. Yeah, it's all these small descriptions that like make you kind of fill in the backstory. He doesn't really tell you what's totally what's going on, but you get an idea. Uh, I just think it's genius. The girl in New York City who calls herself the human trampoline. And the fusion of the genres. Like, I mean, what what imagery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's that first, like the first verse. The Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar. I'm following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War. It's like that's gets the whole the whole journey is. I mean, you're now you're halfway through it in just those, you know, those five lines. And then it and it just and like I say, like Mark said, all these little things that he's he's just giving you bits and pieces, but they're they're painting this entire picture. I mean, the collapse of his, you know, the end of his marriage in that in that next verse that, to Carrie Fisher, and then just the lines about you know, uh, make sure I get it right, but losing love is like a window in your heart. I mean, it's at when you're when your heart is broken. Everybody knows it. You can do whatever you want to try to hide it um, and try to act, you know, strong. But every literally like it's like your chest is made of a pane of glass. Everybody absolutely knows. And he just, bam, he just nails it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yep. Any other gushing we want to do on Graceland? Should we get scores? I gave that one a uh, nine. All right. Wayne? I gave it an eight, and I do think that it's interesting because I know he had described it as a musical journey, and this was kind of a cultural touchstone to kind of show that he'd had two bad records, and now he's he's trying to find a different direction. But I do think the use of Elvis is interesting because Elvis is most criticized for taking black music and making it mm. safe for white people. And then in a lot of ways, that's exactly what Paul Simon was accused of on this. Okay, yeah. So I think that was an interesting... I don't know that it was intentional, uh, but it is wow. at least interesting, I guess. Interesting. I don't know what else I can say. All right. This is my top song. I agree with Paul. I think this is I think this is the best song he's ever written. And that's saying a lot because he's written a lot of really good songs. Yep. All right. Next song is I Know What I Know. I said, who am I to blow against the wind? I originally had this as my one because of the backing vocals, but the more, <laughs> yeah. but the more they, I listen to it, on you. yeah, the more I listen to it this week, it started to grow on me. So I like the word I would use is abrasive. Like they're so contrasting to his vo- yeah. voice. And it's like, so then I literally tried to, um, 
I kind of imagined the song without him, and it absolutely felt like it was missing something. Yeah. Like even though they, I there may have been a different voice. I just I I I don't know. I tried to imagine it without him, and it didn't it didn't work as well. It didn't I didn't like it as much. Yeah. But you, Mark, what about uh, I know what I know? I think honestly, this is a good example of I gave it a four, but I. I, this is a good example of like you know something that was totally inaccessible to me as a kid. You know that sound, those background vocals. I'm like, why would you do that? Um, <laughs> but but you know now, I mean, um, yeah, I'm, now I just it's amazing when you realize the context in which that was, um, you know, in, in which that was put on this record. Yeah, um, I I didn't listen too much to the production of this but were they in the same room when this was recorded for the background the vocals behind this one yeah um, yeah i don't know i don't know but i will tell you this i have a theory on these lyrics and i okay I'm, i want to hear it so i listened to it a couple times and he always changes his voice when he says uh blow against the wind yes and That's like Dylan. i said okay yeah, he totally this Dylan. actually this song sounds like he was conf- like he was like some young girl at this New York party mis- mistook him for Bob Dylan. Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then but I and I it just gets better too. some of the ways he describes her in the second verse about how she's the kind of girl who could say things that weren't funny. It just makes her sound like one of those girls who's always at this at these parties trying, you know, be, you know, talking to famous or wealthy men. And I, I love how she says, she says, what is it that you're, you remind me of money. And that at the end of the verse, he's like, so I ask her, what do you mean by like, he calls her out on it, which is a great move. Cause usually guys will just let them go on yeah, and on yeah, and totally. on. But the verse to me is great. I know what I know. I'll sing what I said. We come and we go. That's the things that I keep in the back of my head. Like he's at the end of the day, he's just a songwriter and he just uses this experience to write another really great song. Wow. Yeah. And he's going to use more of those party experiences on an upcoming song, which we'll talk about as well. So, yeah. Um, like I said, this was my one originally. It's my four, and I and I feel like that's still too low because I I do really dig this song. This is not yeah. this is not a song that I'm going to skip anymore. It was when no. I first listened to it. So, all right, um, Wayne, your score. I gave it a seven. It did start out lower, and I think it was exactly from those those contrasting female vocals. Yeah. And then the more I listened to it, and the more I got the lyrics, and the more I like I say trying to listen, trying to imagine the song without those, without that female vocal, it's just a run of the mill Paul Simon song without him. Totally. That's what gives it this extra texture. Yep. Mark your score on. So I know what uh, I know. Four on the four okay. on this one. All right. Next song is Gumboots. Natural powers, I slammed into a brick wall. I said, Hey, is this my problem? Is this my fault? If that's the way it's gonna be, you wanna call the whole thing to a halt. And you don't feel you could love me, but I feel you. You don't feel you could love me, but I feel you. I had to look up what a gumboot was. Did you guys look that up? I have no I idea. I did not it do that. It's uh, so the in Australia the boots are made from a rubber tree or gum or a sap. So Wellington Wellington boots were named after 
what did I what did I read? Wellington's Wellington boots were so named after the Duke of Wellington's long leather riding boots, and they they called it gum boots off of that. And I don't I have no idea how that fits into any of this <laughs> lyrically. Yeah, and I think this is the song that in, that inspired the whole thing. Yeah. The, the whole project. This was the song. These, li, musically, this song was on that tape that he was given. And I'm, I assume that it was called Gumboots on that tape. Maybe. Because he credits the other musicians. He, they, he gives writing credit for this song. Does he? Okay. Really? I was, uh, I was curious on that. Okay. Mark, what, do, what, what is it about Gumboots? What you like about it? You know, honestly... I don't know. Just the the energy on this song is so good, and I don't know. I just the it, this is just another one to me that the juxtaposition is so good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I actually probably would have I probably would have switched this one um, and rated it a little bit lower uh, because I think I actually I think I know what I know. I I I like more than that. So I think that must have been a, a moment of uh, uh, where I just. Uh, oversighted yeah just thinking about these two back to back do we have any idea wayne um as far as the writing process like was this one of the first songs that he wrote for this album and i don't and i didn't i mean some of those kind of comments came up in in wikipedia pages i know that he all the music my understanding is all the music was recorded okay and he took the songs after the track, the musical, the instrumental tracks yeah. were written, and tried to write lyrics to them, listen to them, and then, and and tried to you know come up with melody, you know, uh, melodies, and and put the songs together after that. So all the music was written first, um, and this one, I love. This is the shortest song on the record, and it has this really, this really up tempo, like it's speeding along, and it tells this, what seems like. Um, a personal story like I love the he uses friend a couple of times in the first verse which I put in quotes because it absolutely sounds like this is you know I'm holding this for a friend you know I know this guy it has that kind of a feeling that he's, he's really talking about himself mm. in the beginning and then uh, like that realization in the second verse you know, that maybe maybe he has something to do with this and then and then just before you know it, it's at that third verse, and he, you know, he he by happenstance meets this meets some wom- woman walking down the streets of New York, and all of a sudden, life just takes this this different turn. And he does this, like I say, in two and a half minutes. This thing is, yeah, is started nuts. and over, and it's from the beginning of this whole thing from a taxi ride where he's, in my opinion, he's he's questioning, he's talking to himself about his life and. What has he done in this breakdown? And then he runs all the way into, you know what? I met a girl today. Life ain't so bad. Yeah, that's amazing analysis of it, Wayne. All right. Um, should we get scores? Gumboots? This is my three. Mark, what do you got? Uh, six. Wayne? I, I also gave it a six. All right. Next song, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. 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 
say she's crazy, she got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Well, that's one way to lose these walking blues. Diamonds on the soles of your shoes. And this also was another one that tracked really, really high for us. Uh, is it bad that I like the alternate version of the song better, the one that's on? No, the that one's version? crazy. That, that, yeah, that 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 version's crazy. I mean, I remember when I heard that, I was just like, wow, that that you know, to hear the me- mechanics of the song working like on such a basic level, and it still sounds like the song. I mean, it's, it's and the absurd. bass on this is just funky. I yeah. love it. I mean, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like one of the most coveted bass lines, like most famous bass lines ever. It's insane. And how do you pronounce his name? Um, to, oh, crap. I can't remember. But it's like I've seen a, him play a, with a, him. Bakithi Kumalu. Kumalu? Kumalo. What else? What else on this? Of course, Lady Smith, Black Mombazo, uh, yep. sings in Zulu at the beginning of this. Actually, they come in later as well this this is another song that is going to take you on a journey uh i did want to find out what exactly they're saying and translated it comes out it's not uh, it's not usual but in our days we see those things happen they are women they take care of themselves wow i've so i guess it just sounded I don't know how that factors into diamonds on the soles of her shoes. It just sounded right. I it think. just sounds yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. I just think are those, yeah, those opening lyrics are just crazy. That um, I don't know. It's like what is it? Is it entitlement? I would love to actually know what Wayne. Wayne, you got to interpret this for us. <laughs> interpret oh, the, the riddle. Yeah, I, w- I will. Ch- and I don't. I don't know exactly, but I I do love that acapella beginning because it 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 sounds like an like a South African folktale, you know, this woman who's so rich, she's, she's got diamonds on the soles of her shoes and this poor boy with nothing. So you, you, it has a very folktale feel in that acapella part of it, which is gorgeous. And then when the, when it musically goes, he starts to use the diamonds on the soles of the shoes part different, like for different people, it means different things. Um, Cause there's a, there's one where there's, I mean, she's almost like trying to impress her, her significant other, you know, by the fact that she's wearing the di- like he almost sounds like the diamonds he gave her. She's got them, you know, because it says to re- the first verse is about um, she says something about uh, people say she's crazy. She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Well, that's one way to lose those. I mean, how 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 happy can how do you how can you be unhappy with diamonds on the soles of your shoes? I mean, it just creates all of these images of whether um, opulence. I mean, is and then at some points it doesn't even seem like it seems like a show, like they're putting diamonds on the soles of their shoes to try to to try to be happy. Mm. Yeah. What? How do you interpret the? She makes the sign of a teaspoon. He makes the sign of a wave. The wave makes you sound like he's wa- like he's saying goodbye. I couldn't conjure up an image of some of a symbol of a teaspoon. I didn't. Yeah. That I couldn't wrap my head around. Teaspoon. Um, I don't know. Like when you when you kind of cup your hands and say you oh know. maybe yeah okay if you don't but that's the one that ends with uh where the boy puts on new puts changes his clothes and puts on aftershave, aftershave. 
to yeah to hide the fact that he doesn't have any diamonds on the soles of his shoes so he's trying to cover it up with other things right huh. uh, smelling good looking good which we did back in the day when we went to the Bon Marche to douse our our shirts and Dracar. Yeah, spray spray my good shirt with polo that's right real heavy <laughs> that Dracar. again mark we're dating ourselves you probably don't even yeah. know what Dracar is it's all good sounds fun <laughs> All right, uh, scores. Should we get scores? Mark, what do you got for a score? That for? was my second favorite on the album. All right, 10 for, for Mark. Wayne, your score? I gave it a 10, and I even, like say, at the end, I think he, he actually directly references himself. And uh, having had a couple of commercial failures, uh, it feels like he was used, this might be the diamond on the soles of his shoes, trying to, mm. trying to get out of that. Okay. Wow. I like it. All right. This is my nine. All right. And this is the time to flip the record over. So time for You Can Call Me Al. Got a short little span of attention and all my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model now that my role model is gone, gone? Be ducked back down the alley with some roly-poly little bat-faced girl all along. Incidents and accidents, there were hints and allegations. If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. I can call you Daddy, and Daddy, when you call me. Song that uh, the video is just as iconic as the song. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. And I watched the video today again to refresh myself, and I laughed the way. The one thing I I felt from the video is it's a shame that uh, Morris Goldberg, who plays the Penny Whistle solo, he should have got he should have got a yeah, shot at that video. Absolutely. That is such an iconic part of the song that they really they should have brought him in. They should have mm. let him have something. You know what's really interesting on this song is like it. This gets played all the time on album rock you know classic rock stations now do you guys realize that back in 80 86 87 this only peaked at number 23 on the billboard hot 100 wow this was not a, this was not a super big hit for him yet everybody knows this song and i don't know if it is because of the chevy chase video i don't know if it's it's just grown some legs over over the years but um yeah it's uh and yeah, it's the most that, listened to. It's the most listened to song from Paul on Spotify. Three hundred and forty-five million listens. What do you guys think is number two for Paul solo songs? Number two. Maybe Graceland. What, what, no. Oh, sorry. No. Fifty Ways. So um, that is not me and Julio. One hundred eighty-eight million. Oh wow. What do you think? What do you think Simon and Garfunkel most listened to song is? Uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. That was fifth. That was fifth. Dang. Uh, Mrs. Robinson's my favorite. Mrs. Robinson's second, 333 million. Sound of Silence. Sound Sound of of Silence. silence. 339. So good. Yeah. There's so many good Simon and Garfunkel. I love the, uh, I love the electric guitar, the electric guitar riff on this one. I mean, it's a classic. It's simple. Any kid could play it, but 
it just takes a lot to play it right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, the lyrics in this one are insane. <laughs> Wayne, um, you probably read the same article I did. So where where does where is Peggy and Al coming from on this? Uh, it, it's actually so it's Paul and Peggy and these this French conductor. That's right. It's Betty. Heard it Betty. heard it as Al and Betty, and it absolutely sounds and feels like an inside joke. I mean, even bef- before I knew that, it felt like there was something to this, and that's it's. So this is a reference to his his first wife. Um, and that party, and this, because this whole thing has a very, very autobiographical, very midlife. I mean, he was in his in '86. He would have been 45, just come off uh, a, a marriage that ended, his second marriage that ended, um, two records that didn't sell very well. I love how he uses uh, "soft in the middle" with "My life is so hard," which he does again later on with uh, "short, short of attention," and "nights are so long." But this, this, it really feels like his, it's very autobiographical. And I love, one of my favorite parts is where he call, you know, he does this real poetic dogs in the moonlight far away well, my, from my well-lit door. And then he refers to him a couple, a, a line later as mutts. Like, get these mutts away from me. I don't, I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. Like he's going to get, a, like he's trying to get away from that, wow. that kind of, those kind of lyrics. Um, but just like I say, I love that. And ultimately what I love about that, the chorus and that if you'll be my bodyguard, I'll be your long lost pal. When you get older in life and in a relationship and you pass that physical part and where, you know, and you get into this place where ultimately that's what you want is somebody to watch your back and be your friend. And I just, it, it's amazing. I wouldn't let it be my top song because it has this silliness that I think he absolutely did on purpose. So I couldn't have, I just couldn't let it happen. But then as things evolved, yeah, as things evolved, I I did find a very socially conscious song that was able to, to, that took my attention away from it. But this is, once again, this is this guy's midlife crisis on display right here. And it's, it's fucking amazing. Wow. That is so good. The thing I love about this is, is he admits in that classic albums documentary that, the 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 verses are totally jokes like yeah, yeah. you know he says you know man walks down the street and he's like this is like the you know the the the, the jew and the rabbi and the you know the italian walk into a bar the priests I mean, are in a boat yeah, yeah and that's you know that's those are all the jokes and um he even says that the uh, the verse about the short of attention got a short little span of attention he was like yeah that's a that's a dick joke yeah yeah but how how midlife crisis is where's my wife and family which he just his his marriage just ended what if i die here i mean at 45 you start to question you know you start to ask questions about mortality and then i still and i do believe that the who will be my role model now that my role model is gone is absolutely a reference if failed or slight to elvis again I'm tying all this Graceland stuff together. Okay, well, we'll go. We'll go with that. All right. Till Paul Simon comes on the show and disputes it, <laughs> go with it. I gotta get him. There we go. All right. Um, should we get scores? You guys, ready for scores? Sure. All right, Wayne. What do you got? Uh, nine. Mark. Uh, I gave that an eight. 
All right, this is my six. All right, next song, Under African Skies. path was marked by the stars in the southern hemisphere, and he walked his days under African skies. This is the story of how we begin to remember. This is the powerful pulsing of love in the vein. After the dream of falling and calling your name out These are the roots of rhythm and the roots of rhythm remain I thought that this was going to get a higher score from me considering that, um, you know who's on this? Wayne. This is Linda Ronstadt, right? Yeah, that's my crush. So cool. Who, by the way, was born in Tucson, Arizona. She I was. thought that was a bit much. Yeah. So she even she even gave him some lyrics, and she incorporated the he incorporated the Tucson, Arizona stuff into the the, the lyrics. So uh, fi- this was the fifth single off the album, but I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. find any chart position. I don't recall it ever being played. Looking at my notes. Do I want to go? Do I want to go negative with the negative stuff? I'm not, it's not. Like, I'm not going to be negative. I think I have two issues with this song. Okay. That it it seemed like a great opportunity to really if to kind of amp up the South African rhythms and sounds that he's that he's mixed very well into pop songs. Hmm. That he had, you know, he's got a he's got a chance here to go a little bit higher with that and get away with it. And also, I've heard at least one very talented female vocalist from South Africa who I I believe would have been a far better choice. I get he's trying to get his friend a shot of redemption after that she played Sun City, and he understands what she's going through. But I totally think it was a, I think it was a bad choice. I think he part of my score is based on that. It's really interesting. I think I'd agree with that. I hadn't really thought about it like that. But if I was going to skip this one, it would be for that reason. Yeah. All right. Well, I probably should have given it a lower score, but it, Linda's on it, so I had to give it a seven. Wayne, what, what do you got? I gave it a two. All right, Mark, what did you give it? I gave it a seven, but I'm starting to rethink. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We get it. We'll do this episode again a year from now, Mark, and we'll uh, we'll re we'll rescore it. I like that. Okay. I like that. All right, next song, Homeless. Somebody say... Somebody sing hello, hello, hello. Somebody sing. Somebody cry, why, why, why? Somebody sing. This is also Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, right? I think if I could somehow, I think if you could take this song and uh, Under African Skies and somehow change the voices in them, you know what I'm saying? Like if you could have that mm-hmm. Lady, Lady Blacksmith Mambazo in. Uh, yeah, and I, it's like you're reading my notes because I this is ultimately my score on this is because there's there's not enough Paul Simon in it, but I would take that section that that section that comes up prior to Paul Simon singing, 
and add it into, I would move African Under African Skies to the end of the album, and I would put this, I would take the first section of this and put it at the end of that as the fade out. Because um, I think there's all a lot of the the things that you hear in this song, I I want to hear in the in Under African Skies. I gave that a three. There we go. Uh, Wayne, your score? And I, I gave it a one. I, and also, like I say, I think this is maybe the Not most... Not enough, Paul? Well, no, there's... But the other part of that is this may be the most specific reference to apartheid, and he's not. He's nowhere to be found. So Mm. he's not on a song on his record, but he's also not prominent on the song, especially in the part that speaks out about that. Mm. All right. And this is my two. All right. Next song is uh, Crazy Love, Volume 2. Is there a volume one somewhere? That's what I want to know. The same thing. I always I hope the same that. thing. Or do we view um, "Still Crazy" after all these years as Volume One? Is that Volume One? I don't know. What I didn't even think of that. But it's... I don't want no part of this crazy love. I don't want no part of your love. I don't want no part of this crazy love. I don't want no part of your love. This one's it sounds the most eighties. Yeah. This is the one that that it felt like listening to it, I was like, that's absolutely written in nineteen eighty five. I love the to me the thing I love about this one, it kinda of became one of my favorites on the album, like when I'm turning this on. I turn the album on, I always go to this one now, but it's just something about that guitar riff. It's so sad and happy at the same time and then it also has that one lyric that I think is just one of the best lyrics, sad as a lonely little wrinkled balloon. And uh, th- honestly, those two things by themselves m- make it one of my favorite songs on this album. Yeah. Um, Wayne, any lyrical analysis on this one? Um, I like the because uh, I I started to believe that Fat Charlie the Archangel is is all of us. It had had a really because he kind of, especially in the last verse, it seems specific if you know what he's just recently done, you know, personally, as far as his divorce from Carrie Fisher. But it also, he leaves it in a very, a very general sense. Like, and also I did that from having been divorced twice. He, he really nails it with that, you know, the lines with, uh, it's going to eat well, up a year. Is, of this your is going to eat up a year of my life. Uh, and then, and then all the, all the weight that I've got, you gotta, you gotta get down into fighting shape. If you got to chase girls again. And then, just the part where she says the joke is on me, I say the joke is on her, is absolutely the end of a relationship. Yeah, and and I feel like the joke there on the all that weight to be lost. So um, I had a friend who got divorced, and he goes, hey, did you hear the news? I'm like, uh, what? He's like, I lost 140 pounds yesterday. <laughs> Well, that's because I can tell you that, yeah. that's because I got, got divorced. Got divorced. And I lost 25 pounds in a, in a week. You can't be taking match.com photos with a fat face. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, touche. All right. Um, all right. Mark, your score on crazy love volume two. That's my, probably my favorite song on the album. Excellent. 
Uh, Wayne? Uh, four. I, th- I thought he's just giving me such... I could say I'm loving some of his uh, commentary in this one. This is just... This is a solid Paul Simon song. You can't... There's nothing yeah. bad to say about yeah. it. This is my eight. All right. Next song. That was your mother. A long time ago, yeah, before you was born, dude, when I was still single and life was great, I held this job as a traveling salesman that kept me moving from state to state. Well, I'm standing on the corner of Lafayette, state of Louisiana, wondering where a city boy could go to get a little conversation. And this features Zydeco band, Good Rock and Dopsy yeah. and the Twisters. I think I think I've just never loved Zydeco. Me neither. Uh, so I, I, of course, like you know, the worst, my least favorite song on this album would be my. You know, at least somewhere near my top on many other albums. But yeah, I just never loved Zydeco, so I gave this one to me was a one for me. Yeah. Um, so not moving to New Orleans anytime soon. Is that what you're saying? No. I yeah. I, I I've never loved it, but I will say we saw him play. I saw him play at the Ryman, and, and uh, that was uh, hearing this song there was it was one of my favorite ones of the set. Okay. Something about it live was just incredible. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Wayne, anything on that was your mother? Yeah, Zydeco is is an in, it's a niche thing. I don't I don't dislike it, but it isn't something that I would necessarily find myself. I wouldn't be searching out. But what I what I do respect is that he wrote a song that sounds like it's been played at hurricane parties for eighty years. Like I don't there's that he just wrote something like he just. Like, let me hear some Zydeco for a second, and then it's like, okay, I got it. I got I got yeah. this. And writes a song that feels like it's been around for well, 80 to 100 years. I, I, live, I live in Florida. I've been to a few hurricane parties. We've, we've never played any Zydeco, just so <laughs> you know. Uh, I had to look up um, the, the, the lyrics of Dance to the Music of Clifton. Yeah. Clifton Sh- Chenier. Is that, is that how you say it? The king of the bayou. I had, I looked him up. He is the king of the Zydeco. He passed away in December 1987. So hopefully he heard this song before he passed away. Yeah, there's something about accordion and blues that's just not my combination. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. So I had to look up Clifton because I'd never heard of him before. So, and listeners don't at me with a bunch of recommendations for <laughs> Zydeco music because I'm You're not, not giving Zydeco a not, chance. I'm man. not I'm not going to listen. All right. Uh this is my one. Mark. I would say um yeah, this this is a one for me as well. All right. Wayne. I gave it a three because I used my one and two up on protests. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh let's wrap this up. All around the world, or the myth of fingerprints. Everybody knows his name. He said there's no doubt about it. It was a myth of fingerprints. I've seen them all, and man, they're all the same. Well, the sun gets weary and the sun goes down. Ever since the watermelon, and the lights come up on the black pit town. Somebody. 
just you This is all around the world Out in the Indian Ocean somewhere and Los Lobos appears on this last track. Are you rethinking? To me, both. Are, are you rethinking? No, your both sp- of these were kind of one or two. Okay. You know, I could have kind of interchanged, but definitely yeah, I'd say the I, last one. I thought it was interesting. Is so you did this with Los Lobos, and I kept hearing the word Tex-Mex thrown around, and literally, it not only geographically but musically, this sounds just west of what we just heard. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, like he's trying to take us on a road trip we just went to new orleans now we're going to go to texas well, and and my and i did and i i enjoyed the song obviously better but i didn't i do have some uh, questions about why he stopped doing what was working and what sounded so great like all of that that's those south african um artists that he is using and all that those like he he seamlessly mixed all of that very cultural stuff into pop songs and made them much more interesting. The reason this this record did eventually gain that kind of, you know, to where it's mentioned by Rolling Stone as one of the top 50 records of all time is because it's he did something that I don't that at the time nobody had done or I I don't know of anybody who had who had done it as well. And mm. so the, and then he abandons on the last two songs and goes Yeah, I totally it doesn't i don't i don't understand it like i know he could have he could have worked a little bit longer and came up with two more songs that incorporated all that that stuff that he'd been working on from johannesburg well and also with this song so i did read an article the uh saxophone player for los lobo steve Ber- berlin <laughs> he's not a fan. he's not a fan of paul simon uh he felt like they deserved right. writing credits for this cuz uh they were noodling around with Paul, and um, while Paul was writing stuff, they they were working on this song that was eventually going to be on one of their records. And Paul's like, "Hey, what 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 you playing?" And so they start playing it, and that's becomes this this song. Um, so uh, the quote that I read from Berlin, he said he, they contacted Simon about the lack of, of writing credits and Simon responded with, sue me, see what happens. Oh my God. And he denied that. He denied it, but yeah. And I don't, that doesn't sound like Paul Simon. I mean, he was given, he was giving credit out earlier where credit was due. I don't, to me, um, they would have had nothing with this. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't know that he, that he did, uh, rip it off from them but lyrically is where this song is the most interesting i think and and just more in a general sense of the idea that the myth of fingerprints um originally fingerprints were everybody's were different and he's saying <laughs> that's a myth everybody is the same at least to some degree like we we are the same we are right. you know we're human beings and it's you're you're taking this one thing that makes us different when there's so much else that makes us the same. Wow, that's why I keep him around, Mark. Is this analysis? Wayne, I can't words. handle this. Ben, <laughs> you guys, I, I honestly, I think we got to uh, when I start working on my next album, I'm gonna probably have to get your contact so I can send it to you, so we can you can you can chew it to shreds before I re- before I waste time recording. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> And and I won't even ask for songwriting credits for that. 
So I love it. You, you have no, d- yeah, you, you you don't have any worries about us doing a low slow boss on Man, Paul Simon. These these, uh, <laughs> these these reviews are this is unbelievable. I've never thought about these songs like this. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get final scores. So this is my five. Mark, what do you got? This was my. Hang on, I got to look here. All around the world, I gave this a two. All right. Wayne, your score? I gave it a five also. Okay. Honestly, I want to change it now, though, after hearing Wayne describe (laughs) genius of it. All right. Well, um, this is the point where I go, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Uh, You know, musically, there's there's so much going on. And like I say, on the first first side, for sure, that is, to me, where he really um, mixes that the stuff that he got in that he that they did in Johannesburg with those South African artists, um, he really mixes it and in, in to differently, but it always it always feels like a great Paul Simon pop song with just mm. this I, just extra just yeah. frosting and whipped cream and cherries and sprinkles. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, side one for sure. Let's look to see what our top songs on this record are. Any guesses on number one? We all had we all had um, we all had different elevens. We all had same ten, didn't we? Or no? Yeah. So diamonds on the soles of her shoes. You guys had tens for that. I gave it a nine. So average score of nine point six six. That's our top song. Uh, second, wow. Graceland. Average score of nine point three three. We got third is Boy in the Bubble. Um, that's mostly mm-hmm. Wayne and my doing because. Mark kind of gave it a low score, but he does he does <laughs> want to rethink it. He told us he does want to rethink I, that. I regret, I regret <laughs> it. I regret it. And then uh, we have a tie for fourth, so you can call me Al and Crazy Love Volume Two both had an average score of seven point six six. Any guesses on uh, lowest score? That had to no, be one of the last two, right? Yeah, that was your mother. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this was fun. Mark, thanks for oh, yeah. That. Thank you for having yeah. me, you guys. Wow, I'm I'm blown away. This was a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's amazing. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's what so, happens when I get a whole week. That that was that was a dig <laughs> towards me, Mark, because we've been recording twice a week because of people being available, and Wayne's always telling me I need a week. I need a week to prepare. And, uh, so that was a that this education, me. you guys. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Mark, tell people where um, where they can find all your happenings. Yeah, just um, Instagram or, you know, my, I mean, my website's fine. If you want to go to a website, it's just M-A-R-C-S-C-I-B-I-L-I-A. Or you can just look up, you know, Google my name, M-A-R-C. And I think an S and a C will get you close enough. Yeah. And, and um, you can choose. And definitely follow Mark on um, Instagram to see all the cool stuff that he's cooking in the beefer that is that is about that's really what i'm offering to the world at this point (laughs) quality food content i'm serious i'm serious if i'm in nashville i'm bringing the meat we're we're please let me know okay please all right yeah that is this has been a really wonderful experience and i can't wait to re-listen to these songs with these interpretations and i'm serious i'm gonna send you guys some songs all right let's do it (laughs) All right, last question that we ask all of our guests. So, um, 
Mark, who do you know that uh, we don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? Um, you know, I have to think about that. I would say your level of enthusiasm and in-depth understanding, my buddy uh, Thad Cockrell, I feel like it might be the, one of the only people I've ever known that kind of matches the level of uh, understanding of music that you guys have. How do, how do I know that name? Thad Cockrell. Uh, he was just on Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Um, recently, it was a kind of a crazy story. Jimmy heard him in a hardware store. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Though. Okay. Yeah, he was in um, um, leagues, right? Yes, yes. Yes, I saw him open up for um, the Airborne Toxic event five or six years ago. I, I just feel like the 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 what you guys know about albums, you know, he's like similar kind of understanding i would absolutely welcome that on this podcast that would be a lot of fun I, that's great well, i really i really thought leagues was going to be bigger i i there was one song that got used in a commercial yeah <sighs> i'm trying to remember what it was called love that spotlight song. that's it yeah, they, yeah. It's, it's a great they're great yeah great song really all right. genius all right well we'll 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 chat offline and we'll make that happen Awesome. Would love to have chat on. All right. Uh, let's let's tell people where they can find us as well. Wayne, as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can find all of our happenings on the socials. Uh, I'm at Podcast Records on Twitter. Also on the Facebook page for just look for a Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne's on Instagram. Where can they find us there? Records Revisited Podcast. And we also now have a Patreon, so find us at patreon.com slash podcast. And, uh, of course, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms. Just, um, you know, just search for us. We're there. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to live show, but you kind of know the drill on that. So, um, you know, support your favorites when they're doing their live streams. Uh, we are getting back out there, so um, you know, support your favorites. Make sure you buy a T-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store. You can do that. Just do it, you know, safely. Wear that mask. We are records revisited, and we are out. Out. Perfect. See, I told you it wasn't going to be together. <laughs> That's that was good. That was pretty good. <laughs>